0: Hi, I'm David Green, and welcome back to the Digital HR Leaders podcast. As this week is the last episode before the festive break, I wanted to bring you something extra special to fill your Christmas stocking. So I invited Matt Yerbury, Workforce Analytics and Digital Practice Lead at KPMG, and Nick Biller, Head of Data Science at HSBC, to share their insights, experience, and advice on building a skills-based organisation.
1: Traditionally, there, um, an organization might set a target for promotion. They might set different top-down targets to, to move the needle against those very important metrics. And there's an argument some camps might say that that will work against the meritocracy because it's a top-down imposition. So by taking that skills view, you can learn what what skills correlate with success. Then you can use that information to drive learning interventions to enable those diverse groups to thrive by giving people better information about what they can learn in order to propel their careers.
0: Combined, Matt and Nick have over 30 years of experience working in the field. And today we have brought them together to discuss how organisations can adopt a skills-led approach to talent that drives value for the business and the workforce, while also supporting ESG initiatives. Our conversation also covers topics such as how a focus on skills can help build meritocracy and reduce bias. How to infer skills from the myriad of organisational data while navigating ever-evolving workforce skills requirements. And how to tackle the challenges that come with skills at different maturity levels of the journey. And much more too. But before we get started, make sure you save this episode, as I reckon it's one that you'll want to listen back to time and time again. Matt, Nick, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you on the show. I'm going to ask each of you to introduce yourselves, but I'll come to I'll come to Matt first. So, Matt, if you could just say a bit about your background and and your current role.
1: Fantastic. Thanks, David, uh, and thanks for having us on. Nice to be here. Yes. Yeah, so, my name's Matt Yerbury. I have been working in people analytics for fifteen fifteen plus years now. Although it wasn't called people analytics back then. And and kind of fell into it, you know. I had a job at university when I was sent spreadsheets from a small reward consulting company. Uh, great gig at the time, you know. And then on leaving university with a with a big slug of debt and and a baby, kind of uh, I thought I would stick with what I knew. Always loved tech, you know. Always you know found people fascinating, and those things have have kind of coalesced over the years. Had a couple of gigs in consulting for Aon and Mercer. Uh, had four wonderful year, years with uh, with Nick here, and uh, and then I've m- just moved over to KPMG to, to set up a new practice, so really exciting and great to be here. Thanks. Well, it's
0: great to have you on the show, Matt. And, and Nick, same thing a bit about yourself and then and, and your current role.
2: Yeah, thanks, uh, David, and great to be here. Yeah, Nick Biller, a little bit longer than Matt in people analytics, I think I've been doing it now for nearly 20 years. Came from Strangely enough, chemical engineering, uh, where I did a PhD, which you could probably describe as data science now, but they didn't call it that either back then, and then various roles in financial services and consulting until uh, coming to HSBC about um, six years ago and working with Matt, where we set up the uh, data science practice at HSBC, so really trying to put the best practices around uh, modelling and data science around people data and uh, forging that path uh, which is obviously hugely exciting now.
0: Well it's great to have you both on the show and I think it's going to be really interesting because I think Matt you're going to talk about some of the wider aspects um, around this kind of shift towards skills-based approach that a lot of organisations are doing and of course a lot of it being driven by uh, people analytics teams within those organisations, and, and Nick, you're going to share some of the the work that you've been doing at HSBC in this area as well. So really, really looking forward to this. Um, Matt, going to start going to start with you. Um, obviously, as you said in your introduction, you combine experience in people analytics, 15 years, 35 years between you, which is really impressive in the space. Um, as a practitioner with experience as a consultant helping. Uh, organisations transition into skills-led companies. You know, given the current economic climate and labour shortages, you know, what are your thoughts on on how taking a skills-based approach to talent can help the the future livelihood of of organisations?
1: It's yeah, I think adding that to to a you know a. A more holistic set of, of answers to, to that huge problem you know is is key uh, there's a seismic shift that that we're seeing in in how organizations start to conceive jobs and work and i think we've seen that start to play out in some ways uh very tangibly in in things like the, the gig economy but traditionally organizations have managed jobs and people have had careers and they have stayed largely static for uh for the majority of, of a career you know thirty thirty 30 plus years but i think Today, uh, we, need, we need to support more flexibility. Organizations need to support more flexibility. And I think, you know, with the big onus on continuous improvement and that, that more flexible career path journey for, for, for people as well, those two pieces can really enable us to, to respond to a demand profile for work, which is changing very quickly. Jobs are being automated. Our, our roles are fundamentally changing through augmentation as well. And, you know, if we zoom out a little bit, we've got a big challenge on our hands as societies and communities to to make sure that that we uh, can weather uh, and respond to some really big challenges with a you know, an industrial of the fourth industrial revolution which is fundamentally changing how work is done so you know by by leveraging tech uh, we can meet that social need and you know it's largely a political need as well you know they're pushing for it at the world economic forum it's it's on the government agenda so you companies at the moment are focusing on building talent marketplaces. They're focusing on expanding their learning platforms and their and and other analogous offerings for for their people. And at the same time, uh, from an analytics perspective, that's really exciting as well because those big systems create a lot of really fantastic information that we can use to understand the scale of the problem uh, and to work out how how we're moving to combat it. Yeah, it's, it's
0: really interesting because this this was you know a lot of people talk about how the pandemic's accelerated. This transition, but it was already playing out beforehand. As you, as you quite rightly refer to Matt, you know the World Economic Forum has been talking about the fourth industrial revolution for at least seven or eight years now. It's a big focus of of the discussions at Davos, and that ends up translating, as you said, through to organisations, through to governments, through to societies as, as well. But Nick, love to hear how what Matt's just, just described how that's playing out currently at HSBC.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the skills agenda is absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the key people priorities at HSBC, you know, we, we see it very much as a, a win for both for the organization and for the employee themselves to get a fundamental understanding of, you know, the skills footprint that we have as an organization what we need. So whether it's playing out as creative approaches to talent, we're perhaps needing to understand we can't necessarily go and buy that talent. If we're dominant in a market, we're we're potentially trying to hire our own people, practically, in those markets. So we've got to build that capability. Short skills may make sense to build that capability. Maybe more traditional technology skills that are leaner in the market. You know, we've got an opportunity there. And then, you know, that traditional thing of getting a thorough understanding of where we've got those resources. And in large organisations, it's often very difficult to really understand where we have those skills. And historically, you can imagine, although we didn't know, you'd have situations where we'll be perhaps downsizing a part of the business and growing another part of the business and and no one stopped to thought, well, hey, can we actually leverage some of those things? So getting that comprehensive view of the organisation is obviously super fundamental. But from an employee, obviously that unlocks... a much better employee value proposition you've got you know potential for career pathways transparency around how we're hiring you know if we focus on skills-based hiring there's greater transparency greater capacity to eliminate bias in those recruitment processes if we are focusing on the skills required to do those roles and the skills that people have to do those roles and i think you know, the ability to take people who are perhaps at risk of redundancy and then saying, hey, we've got these opportunities here. Had you thought about this, maybe non-traditional transitions across the organization. So you've got these skills, but for this training course, or you could be redeployed over here, or actually you've got exactly what we need. Maybe you just need a bit of domain knowledge to get there. So, yeah.
0: Matt how would you say a skills based approach can help eliminate future biases? I know Nick touched on it a little bit there and and tailor the meritocracy within the organization
1: yeah, great question uh, and and yeah this is a particularly you know fascinating additional uh, benefit from this type of oversight you know you've got companies may have multiple platforms in play now that that do generate skills data that you can associate with with employees and that you can associate with with jobs as well so we could look at what the Acquired skills are for different segments of our of our workforce. You start to segment that by success factors. You know, by by different indicators of success. You know, what what are the skills that that the people who are thriving the most? You know, what what does their skill set look like, and how does that differ? Now, if we think about a lot of the current approaches to to ESG challenges, to to representation, uh, the the drive to improve representation of diverse groups, and some of the monitoring and public publishing that we're that, that we're doing along those lines, now you know gender pay gap, ethnicity pay gap, proportion of uh, females in senior roles tend to be standard metrics. Now. Traditionally, um, an organization might set a target for promotion. They might set different top-down targets to, to move the needle against those very important metrics. And there's an argument some camps might say that that will work against the meritocracy because it's a top-down imposition. So by taking that skills view, you can learn what, what skills correlate with success and then you can use that information to drive learning interventions to drive learning to to host more learning content to enable those diverse groups to thrive by giving people better information about what they can learn in order to propel their careers. Uh, there's another important piece here as well around a lot of people analytics practitioners now will be looking for systemic bias. So they'll be looking at the performance, the, the profile of performance ratings across an organization. They'll be looking at the profile of salary increases. They'll be looking at the profile of bonus payments and they'll be looking for unexplained bias in in that profile. So is is there information here? Is there variation in whose getting promoted that isn't explained by by people's performance. Now, taking the skills view as well can give you an, an adding adding people's skill sets in, in into that view and that type those types of analysis can enable us to strengthen our understanding of the meritocracy and then pinpoint where and have a much stronger argument where we do find bias and actually do some myth busting as well perhaps there's evidence of bias by using those relatively blunter metrics of uh, of a performance rating but you could actually look at those those heuristics that indicate the actual skills profile and how the skills economy for the organization is Working that can explain where the meritocracy is working and where bias factors may be at play.
0: What can organisations do to help keep on top of the ever-evolving skills of uh, that their workforce needs? And you know, and and close that. You know, make sure you're closing that gap all along around the. You know, what a, what a data analyst actually needs, not now and in three years' time.
1: Definitely, it's, it's it is a fast-changing area, uh, and that you know there is a lot. There's a lot of opportunity, and 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 a lot of work still to do. But I think the 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 opportunity has starting to become clear and and the the changes that we can make using using this skills centric view is is slowly becoming clear as well. so so yes, it's one thing to estimate workforce demand on a jobs level. You know we need this many financial accountants, we need this many devops engineers, we need this many uh, we need this many analysts. Um, by taking that skills view, we can shift from a job space view to say, well, actually we we need to make sure that we have enough people with these skills in the organization. Uh, rather than enough people who can do this job. So you're immediately less held back by grouping people by jobs, you can move people. It, it, It helps encourage that mobility to get that right you know there there is a big behavior shift there's a big upskilling that needs to happen around understanding the current skills profile and how those jobs are likely to change uh, and really from the from the analytics perspective as well by generating this data and and uh, we we can we can begin to support with that journey from people as people analytics practitioners by giving by giving oversight of the market data how is the external market changing Uh, in terms of the skills profile for different role types and also you know what what are those new emergent skills what are we seeing in our systems that are just starting to uh, generate interest what are what are those fast growing skills in terms of people's learning activity what are the fast growing uh, skills in in terms of the onboarding process that we're gathering through through those areas as well so there's a big opportunity to create a bit of an early warning system for those nascent skills and then start to mobilize mobilize the future pipeline to make sure that the workforce plan uh, demand planning is is Met in the future.
0: Let's pause for a short moment while I tell you a little bit about the sponsors of this season's podcast. TechWolf helps large organizations understand the skills of their workforce through AI based skill inference, inferring skills from employee data. TechWolf provides an instant, continuous, and real life objective skills overview of the skills you have the skills you need, and the gap in between. Are you looking for insights into how companies like Booking.com, Allianz, BP, GE Healthcare, HSBC, and Ericsson are adopting a skills-based approach across their entire organization? Follow customer journeys and learn how these companies are transforming into skills-based organizations and preparing for the future at techwolf.ai. That's techwolf.ai. Welcome back to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast with Matt Yerbery and Nick Biller, where our conversation continues to discuss how to create strategic insights from skills. Nick, turning to you now, obviously doing some of the work at HVC, over 200,000 employees, I think, in the organizations a big, big, big global organisation. And we can just imagine the amount of data there is related to, to, to skills you know, that you've got and skills that you potentially need in the future. So give, give listeners a sort of, you know, an understanding. When they're building a skills-based organisation, obviously it's imperative that you look at that people data and build the architecture around that. How can organizations leverage their operational data to, to create strategic insights to skills?
2: Well, I think there, there's um, the obvious ones, right? So, you know, use everything that you're using already, like your, your, maybe your learning management system. If you've got a learning experience platform, maybe you've got talent solutions that have got skills in there. A lot of organizations hold talent profiles. The reality, I think, for it, that everyone needs to appreciate it, is, it's going to be patchy. It's going to be maybe a little bit rough in places because the degree of adoption is going to differ by different parts of the organisation. So, for example, we've had a lot of skills surveying that we're do- We've been doing where certain roles within the organisation, we've gone out in a very structured way and said, "We think these are the core skills that you need to do this role." But then other parts. Not necessarily engaging with those things yet uh, but they'll have information about skill in other systems so you know obvious things like would you want your technology function to go and sit and write all their uh, technology skills in a in a learning platform maybe not if you've got other existing resources that have that in there so you know you might be using source control which generally tells you what language is being used You might have an asset register for applications that might also refer to both the what is being done and who's doing it. So, and don't underestimate the power of working with partners around skills inference. So those systems might have it in a very structured way, but you might have other access to other pieces of documentation. It might be CVs, it might be, business documentation around processes but this is where the real challenge starts is it's very nice and clean if you can say this part of the organization is doing it this way that part of the organization is doing it that way I mean the best thing would be everyone does it the same way it's never going to happen right so it's then what are those rules and that's the bit where it starts getting tricky and the other critical thing then as well is having a view on that data quality so how reliable are those sources and therefore how should you prioritize them and then yeah we're remiss I'm saying that you also need to have a, like a, a common ontology a skills taxonomy and a way of rationalizing those things across those systems that's before you then have to wrestle with the fact that you're if you're in an organization like like ours where Our employees are working in multiple languages so you've then got to actually then say well how do we then bring that all together and all that is extra layers and extra layers but is leading into that pathway of of that comprehensive view of skill across the organization
0: firstly where you've talked about skills inference you know just for for listeners can you kind of explain what that actually means i mean you've talked about a variety of different systems it actually means using the data in the systems to in further skills that, that that people have isn't it
2: yeah so w- once you've got a, a an understanding of what skills associated with certain roles so there's a sort of i feel like a basic inference that says you know you've you've undertaken these roles in your career history generally speaking we'd expect these skills to be associated with that then there's other things which is actually literally mining the text and then saying actually that it's talking about this it's talking about that so, uh, uh, so like a role profile or a job description might have, um, might be handy in terms of actually spelling out the skills that are required, but actually it might be contained within the text. And that's where the models and things like that uh, come to bear to, to actually say, actually generally people who are described as doing this role, so not doing this role, but actually described as doing that role. Other people like them have these skills so it's a it's a it's a, a great deal of sophistication and emergent in terms of getting yeah you know, stakeholders to be on board with that i think that's a really good starter for 10
1: as well like um you know m- m- many organizations would have uh, a lot of job descriptions maybe multiple years worth to you know that 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 a hiring manager would write when they wanted to bring someone into the organization now that that's probably uh, a couple of folders full of uh, word documents you know uh, getting using some u- using some inference tooling to extract sk- the actual skills that are being required uh, and creating a structured data set to then have that playback conversation to say you know at actually at a strategic level Hold up that mirror and say, "These are the skills that you're trying to get through the door. These are what you're asking for. This is how it's changed over the last three years. It, does that resonate with with what with with, with your?" idea of the you know the future skills for the organization does it resonate with with what correlates with success because it's a fairly often a fairly chaotic system that you know that you're a lot of people uh recruiting for their own needs across a business and so I think that, that that's probably a really good entry point and a good start of a 10 using using assets that, that most organization organizations would have
2: and there's a subtle reflection we've had as well is actually do those jobs descriptions reflect the intent of the hiring manager of the skills that they needed so it's almost how well was that job description written because actually how good is the ai in inferring those skills but actually you know those potential candidates have they read between the lines of of what you've written in your job description to say actually what you need is someone who's got these skills so it's a it's an interesting mirror from that perspective, subtly different perspective as well as how good are we communicating with, you know, potential candidates around what we need effectively.
0: Obviously, we've talked about it. You know, technology is a huge enabler of the skills based approach. Um, you know, there's no doubt about that. Particularly if you want to infer skills and you know, personalised learning journeys, etc. But it's only one piece of the puzzle. Matt, Matt, what else do organisations need to be considering to ensure that they set themselves up for success?
1: Sure, and you know, as as techies and and analytics professionals, we'll we'll always go towards the uh, the smart the smart solution, the tech, the platforms. But I think trumping all of those is is, is culture and behaviour, and ironically, skills as well. People need the understanding of, of a new a new world a new range of insights for skill uh, a new type of stewardship through an organization you know that that all requires a bit of uh, it's, it's a new type of conversation it's a skill centric strategic conversation strategic workforce planning that skills based is a new skill set you need people to engage in new processes but I think probably the one that that trumps all of it that does speak to the ability for a talent marketplace to succeed and does speak does, does enable learning journeys to succeed is is just you need a supportive set of managers. people are working hard people may not feel workers may not feel that they have enough time to invest in themselves and their own learning journeys and invest in their future selves and that comes down to the expectations of the manager the encouragement of the manager to for, for time to be uh, protected to, to towards this end the inclusion you know that 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 The cultural norm for the inclusion of those self-improvement uh goals in in term in people's annual objectives and the real measurement uh and tracking of those goals in an authentic way and you know you can spend a lot of money on a platform you can you can get all of the shiny tools you can you can you can put all of the analytics in place but if no one has time to learn and no one has time to try new things then nothing will ever get started
0: because it's it's you know we shouldn't underestimate the the scale of the shift from very much a job-focused approach to 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 actually a much more granular skills skills level, and, and as you said, Matt, you know, it's, technology definitely helps enable this, but without managers believing it, being ready to try something different, and, and putting and actually not just the recognizing it up here, but actually in the way they behave, the way they. You know, rather than just going out, for example, to the example we just talked about, you know, just going out and getting some contingent workforce in to support a project, actually be more open to actually, you know, going out to the, 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 the company itself and, and getting a few people to support for a few hours a week. It's a very different approach, isn't it? Mm-hmm
1: definitely and there's there's two things here you know as a manager, I may be very reluctant to let my star performer who's ambitious go and go and leave my leave my team for twenty percent of the week and you know i need I need to make a decision not to block them you know i need I need to encourage it, but you know The the other the other the flip side of that coin is that I can access great people from other teams, and if I don't engage with the marketplace, then I'm only going to lose. So so it's that you know you the you need the the mind shift is is towards a more fluid uh, conception of the team itself uh and so i will yes, I will lose people to other projects, but I will gain people as long as i engage with 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 these tools and and this new culture and Nick, how's this the can
0: you've already gone through the early and and mid stages of the skills based journey at h s b c what would you say would be the right entry points for those starting out and and tell us a little bit about the successes that you've had at h s b c around this been really good?
2: I think it is i think touched on earlier it's 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 use that data you've already got bring it together you don't need really sophisticated technology really just to do that that there's a teaser that the 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 basic pieces of analysis just actually saying looking at a business area that's maybe engaged with your learning um, experience platform or whatever learning system you've got bringing it together but even actually saying do you know what we've got? All these gaps. This is where we've got skills information. This is where we don't have skills information, because it starts that conversation about what should we do about this. You, you know, we're getting to that piece where you know we've 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 got some examples. We've got some playbooks, if you like, around different ways of getting at, at the skills at the skills problem. So now we're sort of moving more into a sort of marketing, you know, this is what these people have done. This is what their their experience has been from a going through the process. This is the kind of outcomes that they can get from that. So I think it really is, yes, start start simple. Get those sort of senior executives in the room, if you can, and say, you know, we all know everyone's talking about this. We all know we need to get at this. Right? How do we start to shift this into tangible things that we can do.
0: We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. If you are looking to continue your learning journey, head over to myhrfuture.com and take a look at the My HR Future Academy. It is a learning experience platform supporting HR professionals to become more data-driven, more business-focused, and more experience-led. By taking our short assessment, you will see how you stack up against the HR skills of the future. Then our recommended learning journeys guide you every step of the way, helping you to close your skills gap, deepen your knowledge and press play on your career. From both of your experiences, and Matt, we'll definitely start. We'll start with you. You know, what are the challenges that that some organisations are facing at different maturity levels of of this journey? For instance, you know, what are the common challenges that those in the early stages face, and and what are the challenges that those at a more mature level of of the journey uh, are facing? So again, Matt, we'll come to you first, and then Nick, you can probably provide a bit of context from HSBC.
1: Sure. Yeah. And I think we've we've touched on a few of these already. The culture and the knowledge are key. And you know, sec- secondary to that, that you know, the, bu- the buy-in and the tech, you need to have the right people behind that journey, and you need to have some of the people you know controlling the purse strings as well to to make the right investment. Now, depending on the size of the organisation, where you are on the journey, the size of the investment, you know, the 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 level of tech you're going to implement, you know, the 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 size of the machine you put behind it is going to uh, is going to differ, and and there's there is, really isn't a one size fits all approach. The key challenge that that transcends all of that again uh, that we haven't touched upon quite so much is 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 just that that engagement piece the change and implementation you know there there will be in any business there will be people leading that business who 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 have a maybe a qualitative sense or a quantitative sense of the skills profile of of that business what skills are required today who you know where those skills reside uh, and what skills are required tomorrow, and there may be certain processes, systems, customs that have been set up in in different areas of the business that that have been started in a more organic way over the years to address this challenge uh, w- w- which is the right thing you know P- it is important uh it's it's commercial, yes, there are lots of reasons to do this. Uh, outperformance you know uh, performing well as a commercial enterprise will will always be one of the key reasons to 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 be pursuing the skills journey. So, it's it's really that, that change and implementation piece. We're going on a journey. This is the challenge. Uh, this is the vision that we're going towards, and and being crystal clear about that to to your stakeholders, to your workforce, uh, to the to the people in the businesses, uh, and you know to your leadership in general. To rather th- rather than doing this building in a, in a, doing doing this build activity. In a darkened back room, on your own, and bringing it out to the business as a surprise later. You know, it, 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 people need to be brought along the journey, and it requ- and it requires
2: a, a lot of thought and effort.
0: And, and Nick, is there anything you'd you'd add from a sort of the experience that that you've had at HVPC?
2: Yeah, I think um, something around talking to that change and implementation and, and scaling piece. There's sort of two aspects for, to that. I think the design of what you build needs to really think carefully about that user experience you're you're going to want to de- deploy these things in as user friendly and and with people who haven't necessarily been on that journey with you so I think that's something to think about I think inevitably when you're dealing with proofs of concepts and just starting out on this journey and you're inevitably to be going to be very tailored to specific sets of requirements, like we're we're doing this particular journey, we'd like to see it like this. And I think eventually you've got to take a bit of a step back and say, okay, great. What's the generic, very simple story that works through this piece of an you know analytics? Telling stories with dashboards is very hard, but I think making sure there's a logical flow through them, making sure it's capturing things in a simple and coherent that people can just pick up and then sort of build on that is like all things in people analytics is we're very reliant on uh, users outside of our space delivering this content and and delivering value using this content and it's a huge opportunity for hr as well you know
1: to to move into that new strategic space to to have a very you know commercial uh, conversation uh, to 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 be leading activity from the centre, but in a way that includes the businesses, includes the other functions, and and really. Uh, leverages the mandate, you know, as, as the custodians and guardians of actually a lot of very sensitive data. And by the way, we could do, I'm sure a whole other a whole other podcast about all of the GDPR privacy and, you know, uh, meeting all of our very important obligations in that space with this type of work. So yeah, it is, it, it's, it's, it's that higher level of conversation that, that HR can be driving and really taking its place, you know, its rightful strategic place at, at the table for a very contemporary challenge.
0: Nick, you refer to as you know, other people, other stakeholders that are involved in this. You know, clearly there's finance, there's IT, there's the C suite, there's the actually unit business unit leaders as well. For our listeners out there who are currently working on, on getting that buy-in from the organization, what, what advice could you give them on getting senior leadership on board with a skills-based approach?
2: Well, I think it's 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 keeping it's that simplicity. Keep it simple and impactful. I think there's that tension that I kind of talked to earlier around yeah the one benefit here is they all get it like skills is really important everyone it the story really resonates with everyone it's just then translating that into practicality and then actually saying look we've got such a huge landscape to go after what can we do that's sort of valuable that can demonstrate that value quickly so that the, as an organisation, you can kind of test and iterate and learn because they don't, they don't necessarily know. So keep it practical, do those proofs of concept, make sure that they understand what what that kind of the other options are, I think, um, really critical. But as I said, they do get it. It's not a hard sell on the concept level. It's more on the practical of what are we going to do and, and, what, and what the sequencing going to be.
0: So that prioritisation, that focusing on value, really, Matt, is there anything you, you'd add to that?
1: It's such a big challenge and, and an exciting kind of opportunity that it can be tempting to boil the ocean. Focus on a couple of st- uh, key stakeholders, do the work with them, get your business case, get your you know get get your proof of concept landed, uh, and then just one 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 step at a time scale, scale from the proof of concept. Be prepared to throw things out. That's why you're doing this this test activity. And just yeah, and be prepared to to iterate, refine, refine what it is, because it, it you know we need to end up with something that that is custom built for the particular business, for the particular skills profile, for the particular tech landscape, process landscape. You know that there 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 really isn't a one size fits all, and therefore to get there, we need to iterate and we need to take it one step at a time.
0: Moving to the the the, the question for the series. So this is the last question of our discussion today, and and for those listening who like this question and think, well, I'd like to hear some other episodes, and that. Either listen to the episode or go to the My HR Future YouTube channel. Matt, I'll start with you. How can HR help the business identify and prioritise the critical skills it needs for the future?
1: I'll probably draw on uh, two things overall. You know, it, uh, HR has a mandate over this information. You know, it, it's it's sensitive information. HR has a job to align the. Commercial uh, strategic imperatives of, of an organisation with with the needs of the people, uh, its workforce, and and work in that space between the two. So I think that there's yeah, it, it needs it needs to HR needs to prioritise. Leveraging that mandate and and being being practitioners that that treat the information responsibly, that, that make sure it you know it, it isn't a free for all to act to access that sensitive information. It needs to be curated. It needs to be protected. Uh, and and then they really need to lean into the business, uh, lean in lean in to the to the businesses to make sure that the understanding is there, uh, that the engagement is there. And on top of all of that, they need to bring in a view from the marketplace as well. So uh, that 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 internal view held alongside the, the the correct acquisitions of market insight to know, you know what what skills are where, what the what the prevalence of of skill sets uh, and proficiency levels are in different locations and marketplaces, and, and, and bring it bringing that bringing that holistic picture to the business to enable their 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 workforce planning. Pretty good Matt anything to, anything you'd like to add to that Nick
2: no I just said to, just to re-emphasize is you know use the, you know make sure you're profiling those systems that you've got and those sources that you've got and I think you know leverage all the market intelligence you've got including your employees because they're going to be active and learning things that are cutting edge so if you want to know what's the next big thing in, in you know in technology you know look at your technology population and and, and what they're learning about or using their time on if, if they're leveraging your platform. And if you've got a compelling learning management platform, they'll go there first.
0: Well, a lovely way to, to to answer that question. I think between the two of you, there, Matt, Nick, thank you both for for being guests on the on the Digital HR Leaders podcast. It's actually going to be the last episode before Christmas as well. So if I forget to do it in the outro, I will say Happy uh, Christmas to those that celebrate it. If it was listening, um, please can can you let listeners know how they can stay in touch with you or follow you on social media if you do that and find out more about your work, Matt. I'll come to you first, and then and then Nick. Thanks, David. Yes, and and
1: echoing that, thanks. Thanks so much for having us. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I I've made a uh, I've made a, a commitment, a public commitment to uh, to be much more active on there. You know now we're building a business, and I really want to take people along that journey, a little bit from KPMG uh, as well, because it's a real ground up build, and we're really really keen to bring out you know some of this uh, some of this thinking you know in, into a consulting offering. So find me on LinkedIn, uh, and yeah, they'll be uh,
2: I'll be making more noise from that channel in the in the near future.
0: We look forward to that. And and Nick, how can can people stay in touch with you?
2: Yeah, thanks again for having me on. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I'm also on LinkedIn and love to discuss with like-minded people also going on this journey. Um, I think the more we talk about this stuff, we can share ideas, you know, successes, failures, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, we'll get there.
0: That's a great way to end it. We'll definitely get there.
2: Um, Thank you, Nick.
0: Thank you, Matt. And uh, I wish you both, uh, actually, I shouldn't, yeah, I can say that because it's coming up for Christmas. I wish you both a Merry Christmas and a successful 2023. Thanks, David. And you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and a massive thanks again to Nick and Matt for sharing their invaluable expertise and advice on building a skills-based organisation. If you did enjoy this episode, be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes and share this with your friends and colleagues via social media so others can enjoy the show too. And if you're in the festive spirit, we'd be really grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The higher ratings we get, the more content we can create. For more from us at Insight 222 and to keep up with the latest industry trends, sign up for our weekly newsletter by going to myhrfuture.com. For now, happy holidays, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I look forward to catching up with you with some special guests on the 10th of January when we kick off the year by discussing what lies ahead for HR in 2023. Until then, stay well and take care.